Welcome to the Christian Classical Corner with Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church and the Good Shepherd School Project, where we discuss Christian classical education as a way forward for educating God's children. Greetings, friends in Christ. My name is Margaret Douglas, and I am the headmistress of the Good Shepherd School Project at Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church. Let's talk some classical education. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. A prayer for schools, colleges, and universities. Almighty God, by your gift alone we come to wisdom and true understanding. Look with favor, we pray, on our universities, colleges, and schools, especially the Good Shepherd School Project and all Christian education in the Las Vegas Valley that knowledge may be increased among us and wholesome learning flourish and abound. Bless those who teach and those who learn and grant that in humility of heart they may ever look to you, the fountain of all wisdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you again today, KKVV family, here at the Christian Classical Corner. I pray that you're all well, and I'm excited to talk more with you about how classical forms of education can help us disciple our children in the ways of the Lord. And the prayer I just prayed comes from the Anglican Prayer Book 2019. And by the way, that's available online if you're interested. It's at bcp2019.anglicanchurch.net. If you're interested in learning a bit more, about how these daily offices or prayer services that we've talked about before on this program work and the prayers that are in them, do check it out. That's bcp2019.anglican, A-N-G-L-I-C-A-N, church.net. Now, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about creating nourishing pastures for our children, places where they can truly be fed. And we've talked about nourishing our students, enriching them in the ways of the Lord and preparing them to stand against unfounded philosophies. We've talked about the liberal arts and that as an education, it helps to free us from our own tyrannical desires and helps build our minds in ways that we can understand and we can stand against false doctrines. Now today, I'd like to talk about two very important aspects of Christian classical education, wisdom and wonder. These are two extremely important concepts that tend to get completely left out of progressive or modern education. But they're not only critically important in classical education, they're really its bookends. I mean, even Socrates said over 2,000 years ago, wisdom begins in wonder. We have to be amazed before our hearts are captured so that we truly understand. Education should begin in wonder and end in wisdom. In fact, another great definition of Christian classical education is that it's the cultivation of wisdom and virtue by nourishing the soul on truth, goodness, and beauty, so that in Christ, the student is better able to know, glorify, and enjoy God. Beautiful. 
All right, let's unpack it a little bit. What exactly do we mean by wonder? Think back to when you were a small child. I know, for some of us, that's a little further back than it is for others. Bear with me. Do you remember when something really amazed you? Do you remember when something truly clicked with you? I still remember to this day, the day I learned to read. One day, I'm looking at the page of a book that I love to have read to me, and I love to flip through and look at the pictures and things like that. Suddenly, as I'm looking down, the words made sense. I got it. It was this amazing feeling, and I really believe that this is one of the reasons that I still find the written word fascinating today. My whole relationship to it began in wonder. I found something amazing and wonderful, so amazing and wonderful, that the first time that I was able to read still sticks with me today, decades later. Wonder, as a noun, is defined as that feeling of surprise, mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. This sense of wonder, though, just seems to be drummed out of children in our current education structures, doesn't it? I mean, instead of allowing children to truly marvel at how things are and how they work, we want to kill their joy over it as soon as possible, teaching them that we have all the answers to these things. Just follow the society or the government or what the school tells you or what the media tells you and you too will have all the answers, and life is about having all the answers. Yeah, right. Curiosity, discovery, and wonder are what should be the focus of our education. We as Christians, especially though, know how wonderful all this is. Isn't that what we see in Psalm 19? I mean, it starts out, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There we are, right in the first two verses. We've marveled at the amazing works of God, felt amazement in that wonder, and in that we're granted knowledge. This is how education was meant to work. This is how it's designed. So obviously, that even philosophers like Socrates and Plato, who didn't know the Lord, they could figure it out. So why can't we? Why don't we teach like that anymore? Why don't we cultivate these things? Well, for one thing, if a society's goal is for its populace to be just savvy enough to follow the ways that the society prescribes for it, it doesn't want a curious populace. It wants people that follow instructions, not ones that marvel at things and want to figure them out. Because that kind of people might just figure out that the great Oz is just a small man behind a curtain, and that would not be good for the powers that be. <laughs> God, you might notice, is never afraid of such things. When you actually are the creator of all things and are not just pretending to be, you actually want people who have learned to marvel. Because by marveling, 
people come closer to God. There's a natural thankfulness that comes from the amazement and the wonder. And that's another reason that modern society does not really like the idea of wonder. Wondering at and marveling in creation and all the gifts of life makes people grateful. <laughs> a few years ago, there was a viral video that went round right around Christmas time. A fellow wakes up to find himself all wrapped up in wrapping paper. Life is a gift. His wife's in the same wrapping paper, too. He has a wife? Cool. What a gift. Children are all wrapped up. Goodness, children too. How blessed. The theme keeps continuing. His briefcase, he has work. His car, he has transport. Even his dog, he has the companionship of a canine friend. You see how wonder and thanksgiving play off each other, a sort of symbiotic relationship. Well, when we can see that absolutely everything is a gift, we should and will be thankful for it. When I lived abroad, even though I lived in urban areas, mostly wealthy Middle Eastern countries, people came there from all over the globe. And running water was not a standard for everyone everywhere. It made us think, and think really deeply, about all the regular, everyday stuff that we take for granted in modern life and are not thankful for on a daily basis. I learned that lesson pretty powerfully, too, when we repatriated back to the U.S. a couple years ago. When we'd left, I was getting pretty tired of living in the desert. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then where did my husband move us? To the Middle East. To even more deserty deserts. Now, don't get me wrong. We treasured our time abroad, and I am blessed in how the Lord allowed us to minister and how it allowed my sons to grow up and grow in him. But it was really hot. Oh my goodness, if you think Vegas is hot, it was really hot in the Gulf and with Houston humidity. And it was very, very flat, very flat. When we got to visit Oman for the first time and see some actual mountains, I almost cried. So when we got back here a couple years ago to the Vegas Valley and back to the dry heat, and the beautiful mountains that ring our valley, which I had never really noticed before, I realized how thankless I had been. The Lord showed me how much he had given me, and I became truly, truly thankful for what I had. But of course, it did make me a little more sensitive to seeing the ungratefulness in people for the everyday. I got to say, it really is a plague of modernity, brothers and sisters. And I think that's because we're trained that way from the very beginning. And that, of course, suits the powers that be just fine. Because a people who are dulled by the everyday luxuries of life are fairly easy to control and manipulate. But a people who are thankful and looking for the source of their thanksgiving they're eventually going to come to the creator of all as that source. A people thankful to God are not good at being a people beholden to the state. And the powers that be are not really fond of that. So they don't like to encourage wonder. Not in education, not in any of us. 
But we as Christians do. We like marveling at all God's works. We like coming into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, as Psalm 100 says. And we like the knowledge and the wisdom that comes from this marveling in God. In fact, later in Psalm 19, David delineates this knowledge and wisdom. In verse 7, it's written, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So at marveling at God's wonders, this makes us absolutely want to follow him. Following him makes us want to understand his law and his precepts. Fearing him righteously and following his righteous commandments. And this, brothers and sisters, is the only knowledge that leads to wisdom. Because there's no wisdom outside of God's truth. And listen again to that bit in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Right there, we've moved on from just the pure wonder of it all, And we're into a W term that I haven't really mentioned yet. Worship. We worship the Lord who's granted these wonders, and in Him we find true wisdom. And that's what we want our children to learn. This is what we mean when we talk about education beginning in wonder and ending in wisdom. And it's kind of easy to think about when it comes to young children, I suppose, because Everything can still be a marvel to them. Christian-Canadian writer Anne Voskamp tells the story of her small daughter getting hold of a camera and taking crazy pictures of things from her small perspective that were just, in Voskamp's words, marvelous, simply marvelous. The child was just giddy from the joy of it all. Voskamp muses, I want that kind of crazy, happy joy, God. How to see the world again through those eyes. To live the wide-eyed wonder of a world that unwraps itself, grandiose and larger than life, so otherworldly. She then quotes famed Christian author G.K. Chesterton. How much larger your life would be if yourself could become smaller in it. Let's think about that again in the context of what we've talked about on this program before, the role and purpose of a liberal arts education for Christians versus that of the modern progressive education. Now, an education of the liberal arts was supposed to help free us from our own insatiable, tyrannical desires. It was to make us truly understand our smallness in the world so that we could appreciate the world's wonders. 
and we could conform ourselves to the true, the good, and the beautiful from God, which is what makes us truly free. Progressive education is teaching our children to make themselves the centers of their universe, to make themselves all the bigger, and to become jaded and cynical and miss the wonder and the beauty of the world. <laughs> and making ourselves the center, it's never going to be the path to wisdom. It can't be. What do we know? And humans have always had this knack for thinking that we need the stuff that actually will make us the least happy. If you need any proof of that, check out Genesis 3. Just ask Eve. Now, in reality, we need the wisdom that we can only get from truly understanding God's ways and God's purposes and submitting to God's truth. Everything else is incidental. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be learning all kinds of worldly knowledge. I mean, goodness, this week at the Good Shepherd School's atrium program, we learned art and Greek, history and science, music, the situation in China, just to name a bit. We learn it all, but we recognize who the author of all our knowledge and wisdom is. And we recognize the purpose in that knowledge and wisdom. And we encourage the wonder of it all while we worship the author of that wonder and grow closer to him in his wisdom. Now, I think the best text that we have in the Bible on wisdom might come from Proverbs 8, where we actually hear the voice of wisdom. Take a listen to this. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous, and there is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, let me just stop there for a moment, brothers and sisters, because let's think about what the systems we have in modern education are encouraging in our children compared to that scripture. They're not encouraging taking the instruction in the Lord. They're encouraging taking the silver and the gold. Go for the gold. That's what our children hear. That's what's important. We've so determined that our children have to get good jobs and good money that we seem to have stopped really caring whether they're good people. But as people of faith, we're called to eschew the money, the gold, and the silver because there's something better. Let's hear wisdom again 
at Proverbs 8, verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and fine knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So friends, if that's true, if pride and arrogance are actually the things hated by the wisdom of the Lord, why do we encourage an education system that builds up our children in their own pride and arrogance and selfish desires? It makes no sense. We have to think about the end that we've got in mind. Wisdom continues in Proverbs 8, verse 14, to tell us what is right and good and fruitful. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, and nobles all who govern justly. Now, see, according to Scripture, this wisdom is actually where the true power lies. You can't get it in riches or jewels or arrogant talk. You can only get it through submitting to the Lord and accepting His wisdom. And that's where true relationship develops. In verse 17, we hear, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness and in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So you don't actually give up the riches by giving up the riches. Did you catch that? But by submitting to the Lord's wisdom, you take it on the Lord's terms and you get the greatest riches of all. And that's the kind of thing that we want for our children to learn. That's what we're trying to cultivate at the Good Shepherd School Project, the inheritance and filled treasuries of those who love the Lord. When our atrium program opened this week, we were once again blessed to teach beginning in wonder with the goal of ending in this godly wisdom. I loved seeing the moments of wonder, the eyes lighting up, the moments when it really clicks, and especially the moments when I see young people really understanding that the Lord loves them and see their loving Him back. I do ask you all for your prayers with, for us as we go forward. If you know of families who are desperate to get their children out of the public schools but may have difficulty in homeschooling, please let them know that we're out here. We're ready to partner with them and provide foundational and supplemental education for their children, helping them to build up their children's hearts and minds. And if you know of currently homeschooling families who are looking for a program to help give their children more training in the ways of the Lord, as well as intellectual enrichment, please let them know about our atrium classes. You can find more information on our programs at our website, goodshepherdhenderson.info. That's G-O-O-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot I-N-F-O. And to support our ministry, find our parish at vegasanglican.org. That's V-E-G-A-S-A-N-G-L-I-C-A-N dot O-R-G. We stand ready to be a place of pasture 
cultivating wonder to grow it through worship into true godly wisdom. And this is really what Anglican apologist C.S. Lewis, yes, that's the Lewis of Narnia, if you were wondering. He was an Anglican. And he was talking about this when he wrote The Abolition of Man. That was a short but intense philosophical work. He wrote that about the same time as Dorothy Sayers. Remember her? We talked about her a few weeks ago. She wrote The Lost Tools of Learning as a treatise on classical education. Lewis was her contemporary and was seeing a lot of the same patterns, and he had a lot of the same worries, but he was especially concerned with people's hearts, and he wrote, The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments sentiments, is to inculcate just sentiments. Friends, we at Jesus the Good Shepherd are working to irrigate this desert right here in the Las Vegas Valley to make it verdant pasture to nourish young souls in wonder and in wisdom. Thank you for your support of our ministry. I hope that you have a great week this week. Next week, I'm hoping we're going to have some very special guests in the studio with me. Do tune in right here at KKVV, Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Until then, have a very blessed week. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. God bless you, and we'll see you back here next week at the Christian Classical Corner. Thanks so much for joining us at the Christian Classical Corner. It's been a pleasure, and we hope that it's been a blessing for you. Want to learn more? Find out more about our school project at goodshepherdhenderson.info and more about our church, where you can support our ministry at vegasanglican.org. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 8.30 a.m., for more talk on Christian classical education.